Today on Off Tackle Empire, it's Friday Night Light Seasons, which of course means Nebraska at Rutgers. I mean, need I say more? This is the Big Ten. Day on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, where we still have a six-way tie for first place in the Big Ten West. Uh, it is, well, no, not the Chaos Division. It's the Big Ten Westeros. What else can we say? The Big Ten East uh, seems to finally be doing the thing that we always say it is going to do and never does, with three teams on top and a hard ceiling below, or you know, put below them. So. As these narratives shape up, it's time for us to see the games play out and completely destroy them in real time, <laughs> just as we come up with them. I'm Steve Braun, also known as Thump Source. I'm with Andrew Krzyzewski, and it is week six of Big Ten play. <clears throat> uh, Penn State and Purdue are on by this week. Or no, not that's not true, is it? No. Nope. Oh, yeah, no, not Purdue. Purdue plays. Penn State and Minnesota right. are on by Sorry, I... One of those I, 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 I thought it was, you know, the winner of last week's Minnesota-Purdue game, which, of course, I was assured would be Minnesota. I wonder if we're going to talk about Minnesota enough this week, even though they're on by. Will that satisfy? Do you, do you think we covered? Do you think they're satisfying? Who gives a shit? Anyway. Um, hey, before we get into that, though, Friday, 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 look what we got here. Uh, Nebraska, Rutgers, under the lights. What a repulsive fucking game this is going to be. <laughs> God, don't watch this shit. Um, something funny is probably going to happen. You have an interim coach on one hand and a Greg Schiano on the other. Perhaps Greg Schiano and Tanner Corcoran will throw hands. Or Turner Corcoran. What's his first name? Turner? Turner. Turner. Tanner. One of those, one of those very Gen Z names. Um, and, and then by their actions, disqualify themselves from the game. We can only hope. Um, beyond that, well, wait a second. Shouldn't Turner Corcoran be sitting for the first half of this one? By his, I mean, I just hope that when they introduce the starting lineup, because I think that's how it works, because it was the second half that he was tossed out from. I don't know if the double unsportsmanlike conduct penalty is the same as the targeting. Uh, yeah, I, I thought know. it was. I, I thought it was the case for all ejections, though. You may be right. I, I don't know. In any case. Since this is at Rutgers, the PA announcer should make sure to note that number 69 on Nebraska, by his actions, will miss the first half of the game, has ejected himself from the first half of the game. Yeah. So here's what I forgot to do, which is um, find some betting lines. I'm thinking Nebraska probably opened something like a touchdown favorite. But hey, you know what I forgot to do was select the correct audio input on our week five review episode so <laughs> yes if you stuck with us for this episode i was not in fact standing on the opposite side of the room kind of talking at a moderate tone at, at like a mic 20 feet away from me that's just what it sounds well look like. i've got my work cut out for me in post here which i will have done by the time you're hearing this so i don't know you might sound very different than what you've just described you have no idea what it's gonna be like hard to so oh my god nebraska at rutgers is a pick'em 
Wow. Doesn't that feel like free money? What? Like, who does that? This does is that reflect it, worse on Nebraska. Yeah, it reflects worse on Nebraska. Yeah, obviously. What the hell? Well, this is why I don't bet because I would see stuff like that and it'd be like, oh, pff, easy money. House on Nebraska, and then Rutgers will win by 20 points. Vegas like, always uh, knows. Oh, no, no, Rutgers will win by a less second a point. goal. <laughs> by, yes. by just what they need to do to get, yeah, right, right. To make it as close as they can, just to remind you that, yeah. No, it'll be one of those things where, like, they have to call the game for darkness, and <laughs> Rutgers wins on, like, a coin toss that decides the winner of the game. So, yeah, like, absolutely a put, yeah. So, the betting lines as of yesterday afternoon were a pick em. Um I haven't, I'm not grabbing live odds from a book this is just a write-up but anyway that's that's surprising um i'm a little surprised a little surprised there that well because does nebraska kind of turning it around against a team whose three and one start always looked like a mirage does nebraska kind of like you know playing a little more up to their potential against a team like that really change their season arc that much? I think it remains to be seen. It was their first game under their new coach that wasn't against Oklahoma. Like, So they've played the same amount of games, and it's just funny to compare their season leaders for yardage. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got Casey Thompson with uh, 1,265 yards. I'm going to guess Ivan Simons probably got about, I'm going to guess... 430. 640. I, I shortchanged him. A little okay. more than half, actually. Okay. And you got uh, you got Anthony Grant with 600 yards and 114 carries. All right, hold on, hold on. So let's see. Rutgers leading rusher. Can you name, can you name Rutgers? <laughs> I, they've kind of gone over to Sammy Brown. That's the um, guy. But it's only been the last couple games. I don't think he can have more than like 150 yards. 210 on 42 carries. All right, it's better than I figured. That's, that's more than a third of Anthony Grant's yardage. And then you got uh, Trey Palmer with 480 on 36 catches. Okay, this is a tough one. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, the the answer that jumps out You're overthinking to me, it. John Delangan. Aaron Crookshank. Oh, oh. I forgot that actually, you're overthinking it. Well, kind, 172 yards. Kind of, but I forgot that they actually used him as a receiver. Which match. is, again, a little more than a third of what Palmer has. Uh, these two teams have played the same number of games. <laughs> I want to I wanna point that out. Nebraska averages 438 or so total offensive yards per game to Rutgers 331. However, yards allowed, 469.2 for Nebraska, 282.2 for the Gers. Right. What's the best offense Rutgers has played so far, though? Ohio State. All right, yeah, they'll do it. But, like... <laughs> yeah, I forgot they had just played them, so. Yeah, that's a scrimmage, though. <coughs> it's hard to know how meaningful that... Now, despite having that in their data set, they've allowed fewer than 100 rushing yards a game. So, like, their defense might actually be decent. Their defense, I think, could be better than Indiana's. Sure. Um, how many points do you think Rutgers is going to score against Nebraska? How many points do I think their offense is going to score against Nebraska? Nope. Just total. Like, hey, look. Remember, Nebraska isn't in the catastrophe business anymore. They aren't giving up blocked field goals for touchdowns or punt returns every game anymore. Uh, you can't necessarily say that it's completely out of their system. 
Their last two losses have been very, or their last two games have been very conventional. They lost to a far superior team by a huge score, yeah. and they beat a team that they were better on, better than on paper, yeah. um, by two scores, pulling away at the end. So maybe their maybe their results are going to actually make sense now. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's really been the case most of the season. Like, they missed a fairly makeable field goal that would have tied the game late against Georgia Southern, but. That's not why they lost that game. They lost the game because their defense absolutely fell to pieces. Do you really think that Rutgers has the inclination or the or the ability to do even what a mid-tier Sunbelt team did, though, on offense? I don't think they do. I just, so again, I come back to my question. What do you... Put aside, don't even get, I don't even necessarily need a final score prediction. Like, wh- what do you think Rutgers is going to put on the scoreboard? Is it going to be more or less than 20? I mean, I, I would say it'd have to be less. Yeah. And the corollary then is with even that kind, with even a slower game flow, is it reasonable to say that Nebraska, with their talent, is going to put up less than a couple touchdowns? Like, I, I don't see. I think there are a lot more game scripts where Nebraska wins this game than when Rutgers does. Because it's true that although they are 2-3 and three in their losses, well, they put up 14 on Oklahoma. Um, they put up 28 and 42 in their other two losses. Um, the fact is, it's Sean Gleason's job to figure out where those points come from for Rutgers. He's in his third season of doing it. And he won't get a fourth if he can't figure out games like this because there's not a lot of games that are much easier for this left for Rutgers. No, they still, I mean, again, you got Ohio State out of the way. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Still got Michigan. Still got Penn State. Um, Maryland looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And as disappointing as Michigan State has been, I think they're still vastly more talented than Rutgers. So... No, I think Nebraska probably wins this game. The pick'em line causes me to raise my eyebrows in curiosity, and this will probably be the only game of the weekend I'm actually able to watch. So, ugh, I'm gonna have to do it. That's gross. Anyway, let's get big. <clears throat> let's get nude. That means Michigan, because that's just what happens now. Is Fox <laughs> nude game? Big nude Michigan. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm just wondering if at some point Joel Klatt just rents an apartment in Ann Arbor. Um, <clears throat> so, Michigan hosting, or no, at Indiana. This game's in Bloomington. Um, nonetheless, Michigan 21-point road favorites. Kind of hard to argue with that line. Yeah. Um, Indiana as an offense that can't run the ball. Michigan starting to find something of a pass rush with the Yabi Oki. I don't know if he quite looks like a quitty pay, but um, there's been a couple couple plays I've seen where I kind of see him as the next pass rusher to don the maize and blue. Um, of course, I, Indiana putting up a lot more passing yards than Michigan, but largely because... They have to, because they yeah. can't run the ball. J.J. McCarthy has thrown the ball 84 times. Connor Vasilek has thrown the ball 246 times, and we're less than halfway through the season. Yeah. I mean... He is on pace for well over 500. Like that that doesn't happen like 500 yard passing seasons tend to happen in air raid programs. Passing attempt, yeah. Well, remember though McCarthy's stats are explained partly by the fact that he didn't he did lose the start that McNamara got at the beginning of the year. 
um, although he has played since then. But it's also, again, a schedule that has not required an actual game script in the non-conference. So they've really only played two games where he's had to throw the ball. And even the Iowa game, like they very much put the shutters on him a little bit and let their run game carry them against an opportunistic Iowa defense. So um, that he hasn't had a whole lot. I mean, Maryland's the only competitive game they've played this year. I'm now just, uh, I'm now looking at the <laughs> stats leaders here, but, you know, because I'm, I'm curious as to where, cause they've been forced into so many unfavorable game scripts, and again, in two of those, they came out with wins. Yeah. But it, it, it certainly seems like the, uh, Indiana might be more stable than last year's version, but the magic of that 20 what that 2019-2020 run is pretty much over. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a defense that's going to be able to hold many opponents under that 20 to 25 range, which is probably about where Indiana tops out in a typical conference matchup. And as they play the higher tier teams, the fact that, again, that they cannot run the ball at all with this offensive line, keeping Basilak healthy is going to be a difficult thing to do over the course of a full season. So the reason I wanted to look up these passing leaders is because... Do you want to know who leads FBS in passing attempts? Passing attempts? Yeah. Let me consider this for a moment. You have a disappointed, like almost depressed look on your face. You're not going to tell me Holinsky, are you? He's fifth. Okay, okay, hold on. Leads in pass attempts. Because bear in mind, you've got teams like Western Kentucky out there. Mike Leach is still coaching. Yeah. Uh, of course, you saw Georgia Southern in action against uh, against Nebraska. I, well, I'm, I'm not likely to actually get this. Um, well, you are if you think about why I brought it up, because it's Connor Basilak. He has 12 more attempts than Will Rogers, oh my God. who plays for Mike Leach. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. Plays ah. for Mike Leach. Yeah, he has 12 more attempts than Will Rogers and Kyle Vantries, uh, who come up tied for second. So that is, again, when I say that is a humongous amount of passing attempts, I mean nobody has thrown that many passes. Apparently not. Uh, however, Rogers is averaging... 8.4 adjusted yards per attempt with 19 touchdowns and 3 interceptions. Basilek, not so much. It's 5.4 uh, adjusted yards per attempt, 8 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Oh, it's like it's like sucking on a lemon. J.J. <laughs> 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 McCarthy, among qualified quarterbacks, leads the nation in completion percentage with 78.6. I'm surprised he's even thrown it enough to be qualified. Um, well, 84 is more than the TCU's Max Dugan. Hmm. Anyway. I don't it, it's it's a little more than Tanner Morgan, who has completed 70.5% of his passes. Boy, that's just a that's just a great program that they've got going on there. That's like a it's like a C C plus if you think about it. We're not talking about Minnesota this week. Um I don't have anything else of interest to note for Michigan at Indiana. Again, I, I, if you want to talk about it from the betting angle, yeah, I think Michigan probably covers that. I think as the game goes on, an already one-dimensional Indiana offense struggling to keep pace with a Michigan 
attack that, you know, <coughs> excuse me, I guess that's probably where the intrigue here lies is, does Indiana's front have the chops to slow down a Michigan run game that even Iowa gave up some ground to? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think Michigan probably doesn't have a whole lot of trouble in pushing the margin pretty early. And once there's no threat at all to run, I would expect Michigan to be able to apply enough pressure, pick off a couple passes, and this thing probably gets out of hand. I think they probably cover that number. I would love to see a more interesting result, though. I can't envision it, though. It's difficult for me to see a game script where Michigan is seriously challenged. Well, then the next game that we're going to talk about that's in the noon slot features Purdue at Maryland. Now, I want to bring something up. I touched on in the article for our last week's preview, but Maryland is four and one. Illinois is four and one. The last time those two schools started four and one or better was two thousand one. That hasn't happened in twenty years. And if Indiana had beaten Nebraska last year, when was the last time that those three schools were all four and it one? It was nineteen ten. That was also the only <laughs> time that it ever happened. Uh, Back before the fighting Illini of, Cam- of Champaign-Urbana were called into service by General Pershing. It was so long ago that Michigan had won a national title very recently. Michigan State would change its name twice between then and joining the Big Ten. Yeah, that's absolutely... I mean, we're talking about the Maryland Aggies. One of those wins was against a local high school. Was it the Maryland State Aggies at the time? I'm not certain. I know it was the Aggies. As should, about roughly half of the schools that are playing football now. Should should be. There should be six or seven Aggies as mascots in the Big Ten. It's a it's a an abdication of our heritage that we moved on from that. So in any case moronic student body picking Spartans instead of Aggies. Are you kidding me? Purdue uh looking to, of course, be one of the teams that can break out of the one in one category. This is going to be this should be a shootout, which tells me that it's probably going to be a really disappointing defensive battle. Yeah, watch this end up being like 1917, like an Auburn LSU-ass score. Um, Maryland, as the home team, favored by the three points, means that it's essentially a push Um And these are pretty similar teams, right? Like, historically very passing-oriented. Both found success on the run game in the last couple weeks. Both with defenses that have been kind of better than their program's reputation would suggest. I still think in terms of a game day coach that Brahm has a big advantage here. So I would probably take Purdue to win on the road. But I'm trying to remain objective here. Because again, you aren't back in my heart yet, Purdue. Just because you're still running the Brahm fence and you're actually finding a way to run the ball a little bit now. Like, yeah, I mean, you're looking all right. You're looking pretty good. Like, yeah, you're looking you're looking nice. But... I'm not going down that road again. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna win over my heart just because you find a walk-on who's able to rumble against the Minnesota defense. Like, well, all right, all right, you know, like it's all right. But Charlie Jones is second in the nation in receptions with 47, behind Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa State. Uh, he's third in the nation in receiving yards. Uh, I don't have targets on here, but I imagine that he'd be just about near the top. I have although, to boy. Tanner Mordecai sure does look for Rasheed Rice an awful lot more than he finds him down in SNU. <laughs> put it that way. So yeah. <clears throat> this this is I mean everybody's talked about uh, about Aiden O'Connell as 
a finished product and Talia Tagovailoa as something that has the potential to be great. But Tagovailoa has now been there a while, and I, I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily that he hasn't grown that much. It's just that I think he was kind of always good. It's <laughs> He just hasn't necessarily had... yeah. A there, running game right, or the play was. calling that was particularly, yeah, you know, <clears throat> two dimensional that in game scripts that have favored him. Well, again, that's another thing, right? I can, <laughs> I did witness last week Dan Enos try to hammer it in from goal to go eight times against with Michigan the same State. player. I think they might have rotated a different back in there once or twice, but no, it, I, I just looked at the play by play. It was, was so it? little. It, it was, was it was eight little ten. Yes, oh my God. it was literally just like. <laughs> Where you're trying to run down the clock at the end of, of, again, a video game football game. And you just keep going, no huddle, running the same play, and then walking away for 40 seconds. <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. I, you, look, if anything, that cements my conviction that the play-calling advantage is to Purdue by a considerable margin. If they have truly gotten the 13, play, the 13 passes out of 15 plays or whatever it was while trying to preserve a lead against Penn State... If they got that out of their system, I think they should win this game. Um, we'll see. Probably going to be the game of the week in terms of both competitive and interesting. With all due respect to your alma mater. But we'll get to that later. Y'all have the nightcap. Before we get to that, we have a couple of afternoon games that are going to be very uninteresting for very different reasons. First, Some afternoon games. As yeah. Gus Johnson would say really excitedly. Wisconsin at Northwestern. The Badgers favored by eight points on the road. Fresh off of firing their head coach. I don't know, man. <laughs> These are two of the worst passing offenses in the league, non-Iowa division. Um, what are you going to make of this? I, man, you know, honestly, I said that and then I thought about Rutgers passing offense too. It really is just remarkable, the continuity we've had in this conference of having several teams that are unwatchably bad throwing the football. Graham Mertz is such a special case though because for so long Wisconsin had these quarterbacks that everybody wanted to see benched and they did just enough to keep winning games and finally Graham Mertz was the guy who was given the job he was he was anointed as the guy to such an extent that the other heirs to the throne left the program. This was the guy that they pinned all their hopes on, there's, and Paul Christ rode him right out of Madison. There's not no. him. He rode him as a vehicle <laughs> to get himself out of Madison, and then <laughs> Mertz went right back. Yeah, and, they, and because they were so determined to make it work with him, they got no other option. Like, they, <laughs> there's... A couple of backups who barely played and looked. They Graham merged their way into this situation, and god damn it, they're gonna try to Graham merge their way out because they kind of have nothing else they can do. That being said, <laughs> well, Northwestern cannot really stop the run as well as any yeah, of the last look, three if, defenses <laughs> that they've seen. If there's a get right game for Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, as things stand right now, it would be Northwestern. But, but. Their secondary has had a habit of coming up with some turnovers in the passing game. All the more reason to not let Graham Mertz throw it more than 15 times if you don't have to. I mean, if you're if you're doing much... If you go out your first couple possessions and your drive chart looks like run, 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 punt, run, 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 punt, I think you can live with that as a Badger fan. 
because you know what the alternative is. You know what happens when you let number five. When you, you know what happens when you put five on it. Holy shit. That um, feels like an eternity video, ago, doesn't it? That video <laughs> is like, man, like talk about talk about videos that precede unfortunate events. <laughs> Um, I think I'd probably take the Badgers on the road here. I, I, I don't know. I mean, because... Northwestern is so bad, dude. They're they so are, bad. but so bad. man, how do you respond emotionally losing your head coach in this situation? Um, I mean, it's a test for Jim Leonard. Frankly, I kind of don't expect anything out of Wisconsin until after their bye week. Well, measuring stick game... Though I mean, we we get our first look at whether it was really a good idea to hand the reins over to the possible heir apparent here or not. This is where again, every game the rest of the way is a major evaluation point for: Do we stick to Jim Leonard or do we start blowing up agents' phones for Dave Aranda, you know, Lance Leipold, whoever else? Um, Dave Aranda, by the way, who brought the three four to Wisconsin under Gary Anderson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Right. Um, and was still a coordinator there for a number of years. So it's a measuring point. I, I would expect Wisconsin as the substantially better team, even if as bad as they've looked the last couple weeks, I still think they got to win this game. If they don't, that well, that's kind of the interesting thing, right? It, every game they lose the rest of the way basically serves as further confirmation that, oh yeah, this was going south. It was It had rotted internally, decayed to a point where it was not going to be recoverable. We were right to move on from Chris. Whereas if they win games, instead of it being vindication for Chris, it becomes, wow, Jim Leonard's really the guy. Like there's, there's basically no situation <laughs> now where the guy they just booted out after winning, after going, you know, 40 games over 500 ends up getting any credit at all. Like it's just, it's just if things go well. There's one. Wisconsin wins the Big Ten, names Jim Leonard the guy who wins the Big Ten West, at least names Jim Leonard the guy, and he brings in a new quarterback coach, Paul Christ, or just offensive coordinator. <laughs> and he's going to need one. Yeah, I, I, but it, Paul Christ was a very successful offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. He's got ten, some history. Ten years ago, man, it's been since that time. <laughs> and by the way, talk about just. Just showing your whole ass to your boss. By the way, like, can you get? Can you imagine? Like, all right, like you got like your new name plaque on the door. Like the eighty comes up behind, slaps him on the shoulder. Like, how does it feel, Coach Leonard? How's how's the staff search going? Everything you settling in? You like been in contact with a quarterback coach? You like the big ties to this area? Oh, really? He's got ties, actually. 
several places in the country. I know he, he, he recruited kind of all over the Midwest. I know he, he has ties to Pittsburgh. He's got ties to Pennsylvania. Wow, that's great. Midwest, regional guy, local ties. I love yeah, having a Madison got, guy in here. My Gundy coaching tree, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, that's incredible. Who has that kind of resume that we have? I, mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Paul Chris. What? <laughs> it'd be a it'd be a power move. I'm not gonna lie. It'd be a power move to get him thrown right out of his ass. I mean, there's no like that. That's it. That's as insubordinate as you get outside of a military context, right? Like that. That is, yeah. That is that is court martial behavior. Um, okay, so. I'm sorry, this line has already moved up. Ohio State at Michigan State. It's this article has it as a minus twenty three. I've seen twenty five and a half. Um, it'll probably settle in around twenty eight. I, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time. Like Ohio State's gonna be able to name their score, unless Michigan State gets most of their injured guys. So, so again, I've, I mentioned this a couple times, but let's recount the points here from their basically. Projected starting depth chart. They do have five guys who are injured on defense. One of them, Darius Snow, is out for the year. He's not coming back. The others, their safety is Xavier Henderson. Defensive tackle, Jacob Slade. Defensive ends, Chris Bogle and Jeff Petrowski. Those last four guys are all supposed to be able to return at some point. But because this staff does what most staffs do and don't say anything about injuries or estimate timelines, nobody knows when that's going to be. So... If they get a couple of those guys back, especially Slade, who's probably their best defensive player, maybe best player overall. If they get a couple of those guys back, does it change things at all? And maybe. I still think the most likely result here is Ohio State can name their score, especially if they choose to just throw the ball. Um, I'd like to think Michigan State might have some luck in containing Ohio State's run game because they have held down a couple of decent run games given how much pressure the defense has been under. I think the most likely case is Ohio State can name their score. Maybe Peyton Thorne and the offense are able to put together a few drives of their own. That's been the side of the ball that has looked better, but most likely this is not any different from the last few years, which is to say it gets to like 49 nothing, and then the Buckeyes pull their starters, and who really cares where it goes from there. I'd probably take Ohio State to cover that spread, but... Picking big spreads like that is really not the way to success in sports gambling. But anyway. Well, tell me, Andrew, what is the way to success in sports gambling? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never lost a bet. How about that? So I have the good fortune of not being able to watch this game or any of the games on Saturday. Um, I'll have to settle for occasionally glancing at the box scores. This would be This would be the game where, for whatever reason, it's like, 14-10 going into the fourth quarter or something. Like, just watch. <laughs> It'll be like, all right, well, I've missed the one compelling game they've played in the first half of the season. Um, but there's really no reason that that should happen. The question oh, is... Oh, no, there's no reason on paper that that happened. Not at all. Do you think that they're going to be like, all right, it's unclear whether Travion Henderson will be back. We've got to make up for not pumping up Mayan Williams' stats. So let's just give him 30 carries right into the line. Uh... I don't know why you do that when... I don't know why Ohio State does anything. Maybe they're just <laughs> bored. Honestly, yeah. maybe they're just bored. Yeah, maybe they maybe they have like a little, you know, like peg wheel. You're like the, the wheel they spin on Wheel of Fortune. Like a little one, but they stand it up vertically and they like put a, 
player's face on each of the little wedges, and they spin it, and it's like, because right, maybe you it's know, like Buka week. We get him fourteen targets, and he's gonna go out. Like I don't know, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Know. Maybe they say, look, our challenge is we're going to run straight into the middle of Michigan State's defense. And, you know, treat it like it's an obstacle course, you know, in like a military boot camp thing where it's like, well, yeah, to get to the other side, you could just walk around the thing. But that's not the point, <laughs> is it? Or just jump over it. Yeah. like <laughs> Right. That's not the point, is it? The yeah, point is uh, to demonstrate okay, sure. your physical superiority. So let's get in there and get some reps. Because, again, Ohio State's probably bored. Yeah, there's, I mean, again. If Michigan State can't get a pass rush against Minnesota or Maryland or Washington, there is no reason to think they're going to do it against Ohio State. Again, unless if all three of those defensive linemen come back, maybe they do look more like they did the first couple games. But I'm not reading too much into what they did against Akron or Western Michigan at this point. So I've (laughs) considered this game at some length. Like, is there any reason for me to try to sneakily watch a couple of these couple minutes of this game? I can't come up with anything. There's no reason to think this game's going to be close. And also, if you check that score and you haven't been watching the game, aren't you just going to say, just just turn your phone off, put it back in your pocket? I haven't been watching it to this point, and it's going better than I have any reason to expect. So I'm not going to mess with the formula. Let's just keep on not watching it. They won't, you know, I'm just continuing to not watch it. So there's no reason the game flow should change, right? I would love for the... I, because I don't think there's any realistic chance of winning the game. I would love for them not to test my discipline like that. <laughs> but I guess, I guess we'll see. But no, there's no reason to think this game's going to be interesting. Um, that said, nightcap. Iowa at Illinois. Who are you trying to get fired this week? Well, look. We are trying to get a Ferentz fired, and Iowa wants us to do that. However, there's no way that Kirk is going to let his boy go. There's only one way any Ferentz's get fired this week. No, there's no way that shit's going to happen. But Does one of them still work for Belichick? Or no, Brian was the one who worked for Belichick. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Okay. One of the reasons that Iowa has a winning record in spite of how awful they are down and down in offense is that they actually do not turn it over very often. They no, are, they don't take any risks. Exactly. So. They are bottom 25 in turnovers. <laughs> Illinois yeah. is Illinois turns it over nearly twice a game. Um Skewed a little bit by a couple of like disastrous turnover games early. Yeah, where, so where so for instance, matter. it's one point four fumbles per game, zero point four interceptions. That seems unsustainable. Yeah, um, the only game script I see, well, the best game script for Iowa, frankly, would be at least a plus two in the turnover department. Um, we are going to play a field position battle with the Iowa Hawkeyes. But look, you can win that game. You just ha- you can't be the one who blinks first in that. You have to be willing to go through long stretches of fruitless offensive football. And look, in year one, Brett Bielema certainly showed us he's willing to do that. Absolutely. So uh, He's willing to absolutely sit on whoever he needs to sit on for as long as it takes. Uh, because the other thing is, uh, there is a defense in this game that gets... A ton of turnovers. And it is not Iowa. Illinois is sixth in the country at turnovers. uh, On defensive turnovers. There is a defense that profiles as statistically near the top of the country. Um, There is a defense that, in this game, that leads the country in several defensive categories. It's Illinois. 
Um, now, yes, they have not played any particularly good offenses. But what, is that going to change when they play Iowa? <laughs> no, this is not the week where that is any different. This is going to come down to a really big mistake or two. I don't know who's going to make it. Um, because, you know, while their quarterback does nothing inspiring, he does not put the ball in harm's way very often. We've seen Tommy DeVito do that a few times. Um I certainly would take Tommy DeVito over Spencer Peters any day of the week. Well, Iowa has one of the best punters in the country. Illinois' punter has shanked a few for 10 yards That's in true. multiple games. That's true. Uh, we have had we had a bit of a problem with kicking. Caleb Griffin, I guess, hurt himself in warm-ups, but kicked a few short ones. But we were going for it in situations where I would think we would normally kick field goals against Wisconsin. So... It, there, there could be a special teams. You know, the point is, I think this game is going to be decided by a few really big mistakes, and they could be on special teams. And, and if they are, that does not that does that not does bode not well for bode, Illinois. Does not, yeah. But I mean, I just can't say enough about the job Ryan Walters has done with the Illini defense. Um, the first quarter of the game will probably see scripted drives and if Illinois can score on one of those it's going to set up an extremely favorable game script for a team that has the nation's leading rusher yes Illinois' schedule gets much harder from here uh until those results start to score I'm going to continue to rattle off very flattering statistics while I have the opportunity to because yes <laughs> Illinois has the nation's leading rusher um, he's been doing a lot of that work himself, but still, yeah. uh, Brett Bielema keeps insisting that, no, 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 y'all thought Wisconsin was the game for me. Mm-mm. My ties are with Iowa. Iowa's the game for me. Like, everybody else is making this Wisconsin thing a much bigger deal than it was. No, 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 no. All that stuff is actually Iowa. He's got the tattoo, doesn't he? Yep. Um, all right. It's a three-point Illinois game, and then... I will be there, and hopefully so will, for once in this, you know, 10-plus years, a lot of people. (laughs) I don't know what more Illinois fans would have to see to want to show up at this point. Well, I mean, look, you win this game, and then homecoming is the week after that, so that would be... That would be where you'd expect the near sellout. Well, I already have tickets for both of those games. So anyway, I said this in my recap video from last week on the Champagne Room. It's happening for Illinois football. By which I don't mean we're going all the way or anything. By which I mean we're, we're, we're competitive. We can go into any Big Ten game expecting to compete and like we have a reasonable chance at winning and that it's worth showing up. <laughs> that's, that's all I've ever wanted. Seven wins is within sight for the first time in 15 years. One step at a time. Elsewhere in the country, the Red River Shootout, which is the only Big 12 game of the week that does not feature a ranked team. You hate to see it. I mean, we are down into the reserves of quarterbacks there because Hudson Card reportedly still not feeling 100%. They're going to be John Robinson a lot. He's going to play the game. As for Oklahoma, of course, Dylan Gabriel, who knows when he'll be back. I do not recall the name of the guy that, that took you know most of the second half snaps. However, 
Should he have a poor practice, Oklahoma will have to turn to third-string quarterback General Booty. And at that point, this game will become way more interesting to watch. Elsewhere, you have Utah and UCLA for basically top position in the Pac-12 after the Bruins picked off Washington last week. Um, BYU and Notre Dame in the Guilt Bowl. And a game that got a lot of hype in the preseason. One team did not hold up their end of the bargain to keep it that way but texas a&m and alabama in the fuck around find out bowl for jimbo fisher i think he's gonna regret talking all that messy day you know what he's not gonna regret it because he's very rich and rich people don't regret anything so still his team is going to pay for his large mouth i just can't believe that number 19 kansas hosts number 17 tcu (laughs) this is just we live this is in just such an incredible development. We live in interesting times. Being that I'm not going to be able to per- partake especially deeply of this banquet that is college football this weekend, I didn't go much deeper than that. Were there other games that caught your eye, Thumpasaurus? Well, yeah. Eastern Michigan at Western Michigan, naturally, from Waldo Stadium. That has been, unfortunately, relegated to the noon slot. Of course, we were at that game on in the Tuesday night Maction slot last year. It was like 20 degrees and weird. It was (laughs) magic. Uh, The Mac is now getting into conference play, so we can stop ignoring just terrible results for them where they're getting all their star quarterbacks hurt by by enormous professional linemen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Duke is playing at Zombie Georgia Tech. I have no idea why I even pointed that out, but Western Kentucky at (laughs) UTSA uh, has... (laughs) <laughs> real shootout potential because although Sincere McCormick and uh, their offensive coordinator are gone, Frank Harris and three legit, you know, legit number one receivers are at UTSA. And Western Kentucky, of course, continues to be committed to the air raid philosophy. So that found, I mean, a, found a guy in Austin Reed who can run it too. Yeah. Western Kentucky at UTSA was, of course, the best conference championship game last year. Not even a close second. No, it was wild. Uh, By the way, there is one more very important note in this schedule. Upon the completion of UConn at Florida International, one of those teams will have two wins. Just astounding development. The, the, The University of Connecticut Huskies. No, I'm sorry. UConn is two and four. I was going to say, UConn won last week. Yep. They beat an honest-to-God FBS team. Um, no, I'm sorry. Whoever wins that game will have three wins. Yeah, yeah. This is not a drill. FIU or UConn will have three wins. There is just no well, way around it yeah. unless the game is canceled. <laughs> oh, God. So this is, this is the natural result, though, of, remember, we've said, we said a couple times early in the season, it's like, wow. There are a lot of really, really bad teams this year. Well, that, that means that there's a lot of teams that can be beaten by almost anybody. Yep, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of, the other really if there's teams, a lot of yeah. really bad teams, they all have to play each other at some point. Yeah, and, and they do, and they are. And so, yes, it's true that, yeah, the FIUs, the UMasses, the Hawaii's, Colorado State's, uh, UConn's, yeah, they're all really bad. But they also, especially the ones who are independent, like at some point it's like, does anybody want to... Oh, you guys! You guys are all playing conference. You, up? you guys are all playing conference games, huh? No, nobody needs. Uh, 
Nobody wants a booty call from Yukon. Nice, Can uh, I interest you in a UMass, my good sir? <laughs> Gently used. Nice, nice buy game for you, sir. UMass, finest, finest material. Genuine, UMass, authentic. UMass, get your UMass. It's just, it's just like people like brushing past them because it's conference season. People got business to conduct. Nobody wants UMass in October. So they have to play each other. Somebody has to win those games. <laughs> so... so. What, do you think that we're going to see UConn and Wisconsin have, like, very similar records here coming up? Uh, I hesitate. I hesitate. Um, Remember, Wisconsin does play Northwestern this week. I think they're going to win that game. And as bad as they've looked... No, no, because UConn is two and four. I thought they were two and three, so I thought Wisconsin would get to three and three and have the same record as UConn if UConn should win this. So, well, UConn will have a bye sooner or later, and then the number of games they played will level out, and maybe they do. <laughs> Somebody in the Big Ten runs the risk of having the same record as UConn. That is just incredible to me. Well, Northwestern has a worse record than UConn right now. That is very funny. Objectively factual too. Wait, did you say UConn was two and three? Two and four. Oh, okay. So Michigan State hasn't caught them quite yet. Well, talk coming. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire.